I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this episode is Cues of the Force, Qualms of the Force. No, it's not qualms, it's questions. Sometimes we have qualms, not about the questions. Sometimes we have qualms about our A's. 
Anyway, I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. Uh, I've got a quandary and it's about our age. Yes, <laughs> yes, indeed. Cues of the Forks. Hey, everybody. I'm Ken. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. We are very happy to be here, as always, to take your questions, your topics about Star Wars. We always have a ton of fun, and we got some great ones this episode. As always, we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. We are continuing to recommend Padawan by Kirsten White, because we still intend to read it. But you know what? I'll just also throw in there... Uh, Dooku Jedi Lost because I'm not re-listening to that but I'm reading the book of it so if you mm-hmm. want to enjoy that uh, you can do that as well you can download any audiobook you want by going to audibletrial.com slash center again that's audibletrial.com slash center for a free audiobook it helps us and you get a free thing that's lovely uh, we're going to go into our cues we got two from Twitter two from our patrons on Patreon as always this first one comes to us uh, from one of our listeners uh, whose name I always enjoy saying. It is R2-D2 playing bass. <laughs> so good. So low and juicy. Uh, I shouldn't have said that. Anyway, uh, R2-D2 playing bass says, uh, what do you think happened to the rest of the First Order? Surely not all of them combined with the Final Order. Do you think that there are still some factions like Moff Gideon and his squadron out there and they uh, and they may be Ray and the Resistance's first mission post-Palpatine? This is extremely exciting and kind of dovetails with the uh, recent reporting, rumors, I guess, reporting uh, that some of the future Star Wars films might be post-Rise uh, of Skywalker. Uh, this, is, this is really great. Ken, I want to start with this. Um, my reading of The Rise of Skywalker is that I think a lot of the rank-and-file First Order was probably just as confused about the Final Order as the Resistance. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, great. I, yeah, I think that in Kylo's uh, absence, uh, when he turned back to the light and, and Palpatine places the call to Allegiant General Pride, I think Allegiant General Pride, obviously, he, he takes his uh, command ship uh, to Exegol, but I think he gives the order to the rest of the First Order fleet to be ready to attack free worlds like Endor and Bespin and, and all those that we we see. So I think that the most of the First Order probably just got this order from their new boss, like, Hux is dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kylo's AWOL, here's the command. And they're like, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's a rebranding. It's like when you show up to work at a radio station <laughs> and they're saying, we're now a country station now. Uh, no longer rock. Here's your liners to read. Um, I start there too. Uh, I also start with the idea that the final order slash first order's destruction is a little bit more complete thanks to all the all the citizens rising up. Um, mm-hmm. That's one of the things we've talked a lot about with Return of the Jedi, great victory, great moment in pop culture history. The Ewoks, the dancing, and you wake up the next day, and it's not really complete. It was because it had to be. It was a little bit more of a military operation. Uh, Rebel Alliance was that, and um, it wasn't the citizens and how I, I felt Leia's victory is a little more complete after Rise of Skywalker, uh, speaking in general terms on that. So I think that's where I start with this question, Joseph, of all the citizens did rise up, a little bit more of a victory, but that doesn't mean there wasn't some stragglers, doesn't mean that there wasn't some First Order troops going nuts to this, we're not, we don't want to be part of this, or those like a Moff Gideon type uh, moving out there. So I absolutely think it is a thing, if you know what I mean. 
Yeah, yeah. I also think that there was that presentation that there's no one really to stand against uh, the First Order on a giant military scale, right? Um, by the begin at the beginning of Rise of Skywalker, but they're stretched thin, trying with with no government, with just military control. Uh, they're controlling the entire galaxy and all its complex complexities by shaking their fist <laughs> at Calgon. Do what we say, or else. Um, so I think that's why in, in that. You know, when when Kylo is presenting Palpatine's, you know, uh, final order deal, they're so excited about needing that many ships to truly, truly control the galaxy. So I, I really like that idea that, like you're saying, that they're stretched a little bit thin. Then this this inspiration that happens in the galaxy isn't just the citizens fleet showing up on Exegol. It's people on their home planet saying, no, there are more of us. There are more of us. We're going to we're going to run that ship. We're going to take it down. Yeah, totally, totally. And as far as storytelling going forward and dealing with this kind of thing, in terms of a movie or a book or anything, I understand it might feel repetitive, right? Um, we we just kind of experienced some of this in, in modern storytelling. We're, we're dealing with Mando and all this stuff. But I think just in terms of if, if the characters of Star Wars don't realize their characters and <laughs> mm-hmm. it's the real world, this would absolutely be the case. And it makes a lot of sense that there'd be kind of a, that repeating uh, process, uh, the repeating cycle of, of evil. And, and I'd be interested as a, as a, as a fan or, uh, or someone in the universe hearing more about this and seeing what happens. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that I, I like the general conclusion that maybe there isn't as many uh, splinter groups left or even, mm-hmm. yeah, just as not as much of the first order left, but plenty to tell characters. I mean, I think, you know, there's some story ideas in, and it does have some similarity to the post uh, Return of the Jedi uh, era, but I yeah. think you could take it in, in different directions because the galaxy's in, in different shape. But, you know, especially in the, the publishing side, we, we really learn that that young Hux, you know, like his, his dad's an old Imperial guy, but he's yeah. the young generation. So I feel like any stragglers left, you've got the older Imperials who are, who are just about done, <laughs> right? Yeah. But then you have younger generation leaders like Hux who were brought up in uh, the unknown regions and totally lied to about the situation in the galaxy, right? And how many younger leaders like Hux have an epiphany that they've been lied to, right? Um, yes. How many stormtroopers are trying to find their home, right? Uh, who, who like, wow, I was also lied to and brainwashed and I have a home. That's obviously something we've all talked a lot about exploring. Uh, but maybe there are some Moff Gideon types. Maybe there are some people, you know, uh, Brendel Hux's age, uh, mm-hmm. Allegiant General Pied's age, who have hung on, and they are the uh, the Moff Gideon type zealots who are like, I'm not letting go. I'm rebuilding. You know? Yeah, and I, I you touched on something that I think would absolutely be there, which is uh, more of the First Order rank and file, so to speak. Even some leaders emerging. Eyes clear, the fog kind of subsiding, and they have a different view on it. And those of, of them who would seek out connect, reconnections, the stuff with Lando and Jana at the mm. at the end is, is one of my favorite little Rise of Skywalker beats and, and, and a tip of the iceberg um, kind of uh, uh, setup for future storytelling. And, and that would be something. Again, I, you know, a, a sharper mind than me would have to, you know, add some conflict to make it an actual story and mm-hmm. look it up on screen or in a book, but. That that's what I would uh, I would want to happen. That that, that would be the more potential for that because it's just straight brainwashing, straight kidnapping of of children at a young age, and I think that would be part of the the fallout as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it, it is a different story because you know 
Obviously, uh, the Empire is a just tyrannical, uh, horrible institution built by a political genius and evil space wizard. But it was, on the surface, the legitimate government, right? Yeah. So that gives people a slightly different perspective of like, what is the government? And I joined the army of the government. I'm a stormtrooper, right? It's a different yeah. perspective from like hiding out in the unknown region, being told that this galaxy that you're going back to is so awful and then finding out, no, it, it wasn't. It was, this was an invasion. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, it, it's a different mindset. And I think it, it makes me really, really think there could be some great stories of, of healing or second chance, right? And mm-hmm. I love the idea that, that R2, D2 playing bass says, could this be Ray and the Resistance, you know, first mission? I love the idea that elements of the Resistance, uh, uh, you know, Ray and maybe early Jedi, that a uh, part of their mission is, giving first order members their choice back right of like Mm -hmm. you can you're freed from this institution that lied to you and brainwashed you you know what are you going to do that's a very jedi thing to give somebody's choice back that's that's that'd be a a very realistic uh, approach to it i think that almost could could be what you would see right yeah Uh, oh fit especially finn talk about having an inside track on that yeah this was me and, and this is where I'm now. And I know a lot of people wanted a uh, stormtrooper revolution, a little more directly inspired by Finn. I, I feel the spirit of that is there, but I have always understood the the point of, of you could have done that a little bit different. Um, now maybe you could. And, 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 you know, Finn being the, the general of the redemption project, <laughs> leader of this thing, him uh, and people like him and Jana would have a, a lot of insight into that. Uh, I love general redemption as a nickname for Finn as he goes yeah. about the galaxy. Uh, <laughs> helping firmer first order uh, soldiers and learning the ways of the force. It's also a late eighties GI Joe version where they just kind of <laughs> ran out of names. It's general redemption. Hey, who, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, that's a great, uh, great idea. Great question. R2D2 play in base. Thank you very much. And I think we're going to be having this conversation a lot uh, before mm-hmm. 2025. Mm-hmm. Uh, move on to our next question from Brett Burns. Also a great name. We just got murderous yeah. row. Of great names. Uh, Brett says, uh, with people questioning Yaddle and Yoda's different speech patterns, I have had a thought. Luke tells Grogu that Yoda spoke in riddles. Could Yoda have chosen that manner of speaking to make his students slow down and more closely examine what he said to them? Frank Oz has mentioned when creating his voice for the character, his thought was Yoda's manner of speaking was an homage to his own master who spoke in a similar way. Could Yoda's sentence structure be a way to have his students and fellow Jedi practice patience and contemplation whenever speaking with the aged Jedi master. Alternatively, Padawan Yoda tripped over his words a lot, and to avoid ridicule, he just embraced the weird speech pattern, and after 900 years, was in far too deep to tell the truth. Uh, Sorry for the long question. May the Force be with you. Hey, you don't have to uh, apologize for talking a long time here on Force Center. It Mm. is one of the things that we uh, do, and we like it when the questions are. Nice and full. So thank you for the question, Brett. How are you feeling with a little bit more time to digest this? Uh, we got to see it on screen that Yaddle uh, has more traditional speech patterns. It really puts a spotlight on, hey, Yoda, what's the deal? How are you feeling about it? What's the deal with Yoda? I Look, first of all, <laughs> the, the alternate, uh, the alternative uh, approach there from Brett, I actually really like that. Uh, I can understand that. I, I, uh, I've, I've spoken, I think about it a little more honestly than I have in the past. I have a little bit of a... A trip up with my words a lot. That's something I've struggled with my whole life, even as a broadcaster. So maybe you just lean into it. And I, I kind of like what Yoda says, uh, says, says to himself there, eh, 
this me. Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> I like this idea. But all of this tracks for me. I really like that Brett pointed out the Luke telling Grogu that Yoda spoke in riddles. I, I, I can't remember too much of our discussion about that episode on here in Force Center and how deep we went into that. But even now, reliving that moment in my head here when Brett brings it up, I kind of took it as like Luke said, you know, you probably won't speak this way. He spoke like this. And I kind of like that. And I think it leads to kind of the interpretations that Brett is talking about here, combine it with what Frank Goss was saying. I absolutely think that Yoda would use it as a test. That's that's a long time to speak like that. And I don't think, I don't want it to feel dishonest from Yoda. Like he's like he's Grand Maester Picel in Game of Thrones. And I'll pretend to be old and feeble. So people treat me a certain. Now, I, I, I don't <laughs> think Yoda goes down that path. But uh, I think of uh, even when Luke and Yoda first met, Empire, which was for many people the introduction to Yoda, as we know now, that's Yoda was like, I'm testing this kid from the beginning by being as annoying as I can be <laughs> to test his patience. Uh, so I like that idea versus like being totally, completely fake and going back to his, his room at the end of the night and going, oh, uh, uh, that was a long day and, 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 and pulls the character mask off. But that, that there'd be great purpose in all of it. And that, that that whether it's choosing to rearrange the words for 900 years or this is just kind of the way he spoke and he leaned into it because it's a great purpose. Man, all that kind of tracks to me. And it's fun to uh, analyze. Yeah, no, I love this. I love this. And it is always fun to remember that, yeah, he is absolutely testing Luke every once in a while that, oh, I can't get your ship out. <laughs> <It> just pops <laughs> into my head like, you little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, delightful. So, yes, it is not beyond him. To, uh, to test people. I kind of love that we don't have a concrete answer. I love that Yoda's species, even with the appearance of Grogu so far, has remained a little mysterious. Um, I think this only adds to the, the mystery. I kind of like that we don't have a concrete answer, which mm-hmm. allows this fun ability uh, to speculate on this. Um, I feel like when we talked about that Book of Boba Fett episode, we did talk about the spoken riddles, because that was like such a fun and gentle moment with between Luke and Grogu. Do you remember him? He, he talked like that. He spoke in riddles. It was such a lovely line and such a great way to talk about the character of Yoda. Cause I feel like it's about, it is about his, his word structure. Yeah. But it's also about his intent, right? Um, yeah. Yes. I think that, even if Yoda uh, spoke in the most traditional way with a uh, plain speaking Yaddle, he would still all the, the essence of what he's saying is often like, well, what do you think? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's really that teaching by like, I'm opening the door. I'm throwing this idea out there. Do you want to walk through? Because that's how we teach, you know? Yeah. You can find plenty of examples of, of Yoda, you know, uh, stomping his cane and saying exactly what he means. But especially when he's a little bit more playful, being a little bit more inquisitive, trying to open people's minds, you know, it's all just like, I'm opening this up and I want you to think about what you think about what I said. And, you know, this is a conversation, (laughs) not just a list of things you have to learn. Yeah. And and what you said there about Luke kind of implying intent into that moment, that's that's, again, going to what the spoken riddles Art was uh, I don't know, it was it was great and and and, and yeah I don't want a complete answer I, I'm I'm glad Yaddle didn't turn to you know Duco and say yeah here's the reasons I speak with it. you know I don't need that yet but uh, it's fascinating it makes uh, Yoda a character we all have known for so long and it just adds a wonderful layer layer of mystery to what he's always trying to do 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I think the the idea of saying spoken riddles is a great way to sort of bring their real life influence. Uh, I think yeah. like I think there are real world reasons that Yoda talks like that. You know, I'm, mm. uh, I, people have been sharing different Frank Oz quotes, you know, and, and all that. But, mm. but to me, it's always felt like Yoda is really a character that's of fantasy, right? Yeah. The, the the spiritual uh, uh, master, uh, the 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 strange creature you meet in the isolated woods who speaks in in riddles, right? Sometimes explicitly, right? Of like, yes, you can pass if you can solve the riddle, right? And it's it's his introduction in Empire Strikes Back to Luke is like, you can pass on to being a Jedi if you can solve the uh, the yeah. emotional riddle of why are you doing this? You know? Yeah. Who do you want to be? What is the point of being a Jedi? And, and he's, he tells Luke some things explicitly, but just like he sends him into the cave, he's trying to open Luke's mind and I think there's that real life. He's a, he's in real life. He talks that way because it's following a tradition that exists in fantasy storytelling. Yeah. So to, to make Luke explicitly say he's spoken riddles kind of to me takes the real world answer of why he talks that way and brings yeah. it into the Star Wars galaxy. I, I really agree with you on that. And, and even the original design and yeah, hearing the Oz, the Oz of it all. Uh, that's, I think, why uh, him, n- us not knowing the species of him, Grogu or Yaddle, yet, and, and the day may come, is something I, I hope we never find out because it is high fantasy to me. He's truly the video game character giving you the sword, right? <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's, he's in the hut and, and everything about it's valuable. And and then, I, and then there, and there's great value in it for us as, as an audience, especially when you look at some of the Yoda stuff on Dagobah, which is just tremendously important. And, and there's room and there's room for us to put our own lives into that and take what we need from the, the conversations. And I think that's also part of the fabric of, of this modern myth storytelling stuff going on here that we celebrate week to week to week where Yoda represents like, all right, cool. I'm talking to Luke about being a Jedi and he's got some issues, but what are you watching? What do, what do you got going on? And, and you can take some stuff from that too. And I think that's part of the magic. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, sort of regardless of the in-canon story for Yoda, where did it come from, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I think for me, I kind of just like the idea that he's different. Like, for whatever reason, this is is the way of speaking that made sense to him. And And Yoda is a character who is proud to be himself, who celebrates people being unique and different while also being connected. I think this is just, <laughs> this is just his vibe <laughs> and why he should, why should he change? That's my personal headcanon. Uh, but regardless, it, it does, it, you know, require people to slow down and listen. It requires people to respect that, you know, everybody's different and that people have different languages and different speech patterns. Um, and I love what you said, like there's, it, it Maybe sometimes he he's really saying something to to test someone, but yeah, he he doesn't he he's faking some stuff there to to test Luke at the very beginning of Empire, but he's not walking around his whole life like yeah, he doesn't mm-hmm. just like oh okay now I'm, now I'm alone in the room with Mace and I'll drop the the BS right you know <laughs> <laughs> oh Mace long day right oh man want to go down uh, to Cap- want to go down to Texas <laughs> uh, finally just speaking straightforward uh, with my real gruff voice like this yeah finally you know. I mean, I think you, we get all the evidence uh, we need that that is Yoda's true speech pattern in mm-hmm. one of my favorite Yoda lines, uh, which is in Attack the Clones of the Around the Survivors, a perimeter create. Like, it, it, he's trying to give a clear, in-the-moment, yeah. vital military instruction to people he's never worked with before. I think yeah. if it was at all a game, he would have dropped it for that. 
That's a great point because none of it, that is a great line. That is one of those favorite Star Wars lines that you could just uh, just repeat and friends know and they laugh. But also, I would love if like every clone there is like that is a different meaning for where I am at my life right now. And <laughs> open you're, interpretation. You're opening my mind. What is a perimeter? What are survivors? What is creation? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a great example because that would be the one moment where he'd be like nuts to all this. We got to, <laughs> we got to do this versus the poetic uh, Yoda of it all. Yeah. I, I feel like that, that's Yoda being Yoda. That's his, that's his truth. <laughs> uh, yeah. I want to, I want to make a bunch of, uh, you know, really motivational Yoda posters that uh, all have his, like his great uh, classic bits of wisdom, right? Do or do not. There is no try. And then what you come along and one is just around the survivors of perimeter create. Wise Yoda, wise. Why is that not the Yoda line people are getting tattooed? That's what I want. <laughs> Maybe I'll do that at Star Wars Celebration. I'll get my first tattoo and it'll be Yoda's <laughs> wisdom. Oh, yeah. Do it or no, no. Around the survivors of Perimeter. <laughs> oh. There's got to be. There, yeah, there's someone out there with that. There's Someone's got to. Boy, if, if anybody's listening and has that tattoo, please let us know. Please. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more great cues in a moment. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And we are back to continue taking some great questions, some great Star Wars topics from our listeners. We go now to two questions from patrons on Patreon. This one comes to us from Maddie Gunnar. Maddie says, hello, friends. Uh, what kind of wondrous and joyful life do you think B2 Emo is going to have once this show is over? I believe he will retire from a life of scrap hauling and never have to tell another lie again. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Oh, we all want the best for B2 Emo after after Andor, right? Uh, maybe you can star in a show called After Andor. Um, I, I'm, I'm real worried about B2 Emo. How are you doing, Ken, on B2 I, Emo? I, I am too, and I really appreciate your Aftermash reference or sitcom <laughs> uh, references. Uh, look, yeah, this is um, Maddie, who, the lead singer of the great band, Mourner. Uh, we love Maddie. Um, this is a tough one because yeah, you're, you're playing on my fears, which is that B2 emo ain't going to be around. And I just can't, I just can't with that. I, I even watched uh, Andor episode eight um, last night uh, before this recording. Uh, Grace and I rewatched that episode. She hadn't seen it yet. And um, God, that even the moment where he's like, Marva's knee hurts. She has knee pain. Like, just, <laughs> God, I just love him so much. So yes, he's going to live a lie, uh, live out a long life on free Ferrix. He, he mm. that's what's going to happen. He's going to just be there. Uh, Marva's going to be a okay. She's going to get the medicine she needs and they're going to live out the rest of their days. Just uh, happy on free Ferrex is what I think. Or he joins a fight and we will all cry at his heroic sacrifice on Ferrex. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little afraid of uh, B2 emo winding down. I know some people have some theories that it's, it's some element of his programming that's used to reprogram K2SO. I think that's a very intriguing thought. I'm, I got, I got no hot takes on that one. I'm waiting yeah. to see if uh, I, I get the spirit of that. How brutal would it be if there's a, a kind of a, a bait and switch here, right? That last episode of Andor, it's really making it clear to us that Marva wants to fight, but she's not doing well, right? Mm -hmm. uh, she's fallen. She's hurting mm -hmm. her knee. So you're really feeling like one of the things that's going to push Andor into fully embracing the ideology of the rebellion and his need to serve is, is losing Marva. That's the way I'm feeling. But right. what if Marva lives? <laughs> and yeah. it's B2 emo, you know, powers down for the last time and Cassian's like, all right, I'm all in on the rebellion. Right. Ah, oh, man. Brutal, brutal. But Maddie's asking. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. No, it's just because, because uh, as uh, I am, um, 
so love it and or like everyone, it's just even rewatching it last night. It's so intense and it's so doing what it needs to do, telling a, a little bit of a somber story. And I've been saying this a lot, not to give any details away about House of the Dragon. Like I, I have, I've had that. I love that world. And it is a darker, grittier, gray world. But man, sometimes I just want happy endings. <laughs> and and <laughs> House of the Dragon was it, it, the first season. Did not have a lot of happy things going on. And Andor doesn't have a lot of happy things going on. So this question struck a chord to me, Maddie, where I'm like, I haven't been, I haven't really faced this yet, this fear with B2 Emo. And I just have a feeling it's not going to go well. Yeah. What they're doing, they're doing such a good job. They give us that flash of B2 Emo and his, his younger, uh, happier Holland days. Yeah. And, and they're showing us how, how, hard he's working how 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 much time he needs to spend in his little doggy charging bed (laughs) so yeah uh i'm i'm lingering on the negative uh and maddie's trying to ask a positive question saying that of course b2mo is going to have a wonderful life so what will it be um I think it would be great if he got fixed up, right? Because, you know, age in droids is maybe a different thing than, than age in, in uh, organic, organics. Uh, maybe he can get a little, a little boost, a little, a little fix me up, right? And then what if he lived on a scrap world like Lotho Minor, where, where Maul spent all that time, and he was in charge of other uh, scrap hauling droids, and he, he, he would be like just the best boss ever. He would treat them so well. He would get them oiled. He would get their parts replaced. Just like uh, B2 Emo, best boss ever. I like this idea. That, that yes. Yes. Can he, can he wear a cape? Can he get like some sort of, <laughs> like we, you know, uh, Matt Belknap doing that in the uh, databank dive, a uh, databank brawl years ago on this channel, giving uh, mm. a, a, a chopper a cape. Uh, uh, B2 Emo gets a cape. Uh, and, and a promotion. I like to say you're, you're choosing the right idea. You're choosing the right idea. <laughs> my, my only other idea for the happy future of B2 Emo is to to really dive into that lie thing that Maddie's talking about because it's so great that he has to use energy to lie. Yeah. <laughs> and then he can only maybe remember so many lies because clearly he's a blurter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was thinking like, what, what would be interesting to him if if he, to, to deal with that, what if, B2 Emo does survive the entire rebellion and in the aftermath he befriends uh an imperial interrogation droid and the two go on adventures learning a lot about the nature of truth one who found it hard to lie and another whose job was to extract truth from people who wanted to lie that's beautiful it's almost Kimli and Legolas having adventures after the <laughs> of the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I want that. That's that's a that's a comic series, right? I want <laughs> Search of Truth. What is it? Yeah. Oh, two droids in search of truth. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, uh, thank you for this question, Maddie. It's bringing me some peace. Do you have any other ideas for the uh, post and or adventures of B two Emo? Uh, I again, free Ferrex, living a happy life. Everything's going to be great. I'm with Maddie on this. Uh, I'm going to choose to believe. Yep, he's B2 Emo is firing off those fireworks. Just a joyful place to live. Great question, Maddie. Uh, move on with happy B2 Emo uh, thoughts in our hearts to our final question from Will Culbertson. Uh, Will says, hello, Force Center crew. Looking for a bit of input here. I have an idea for a Star Wars painting that I might look into commissioning in the near future, but I haven't quite pinned down the specifics yet. The basic idea of the painting would be the image of Ray kneeling in front of the Lars homestead on Tatooine, 
just about to bury the Skywalker twins' lightsabers in the sand at the end of The Rise of Skywalker. In the sky above, I would love to have a sort of mosaic that would feature a single image from each of the nine saga episodes emphasizing the Skywalker legacy that she is putting to rest. And that is where I get stuck. How do you choose a single moment from each of the movies that, when woven together, create a through line that would make sense in a single painting? If this was your painting, which moments would you choose? Thanks. Uh, this is a great question. We are we are fans of that scene, that moment, everything it represents. So it's really fun to roll up the sleeves and spend some time in it. Ken, do you have any general thoughts about the question itself before we get into our lists? Yeah, it's very hard, Will. And, and it's that through line thing, too. I, I might have failed at that, I'll say up top. I, I went to each movie and, and tried to pull one thing out. Because it's a one-shot thing on the painting, yeah. You don't get a you don't get alt takes on the painting or on the art, I guess. But man, it's hard. So yeah, let's dive in. But uh, this is this was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, this was a ton of fun, and uh, I think for myself, I kind of went a little bit into the idea of uh, you know what are what are significant moments that mm-hmm. help define the Skywalkers and their relationships. Um, I really just focused it, focused on what are the moments, and then about halfway through, I got distracted and I was like. Um, but I almost want to make a separate list based on the actual artwork because some of these, some of the things I wrote are like, how do you boil that down into right, right. it? And, uh, I've been having, uh, I have a, a history of visual art, as I mentioned on the podcast and with some of the, the short films stuff I've been doing, I've been finding, uh, ways to work some of getting my art skills a little less rusty back in. So my mind is really on uh, composition in that. So I was so tempted to be like, nice. No, I don't have time. So um, this might be unmakeable uh, what I have uh, constructed, but uh, uh, because that's such a, such a part of it. Uh, Ken, I'm just going to go with my list and then we'll close with yours. Okay. So here's what I got Uh, for Phantom Menace. How do you begin? What, What are the issues that Ray herself has dealt with uh, what is she reflecting back on? Where does the the Skywalker journey truly begin? So the image from Phantom Menace that I would put in there is uh, Shmi and Anakin having that conversation right before Anakin leaves with Qui Gon. So Shmi and Anakin parting is where you you start because it includes Shmi is a part of the Skywalker legacy, right? Uh, right. These sabers are being buried very close to her final resting place, um, and also I think. It's how Ray. One of the ways that Ray is connected to this this family that she has become a member of is that this family has a history of just powerful compassion and connection to other people, and that's what Ray wanted in her own life. So, starting with an image that is about connection, but about the loss of it, uh, that was real compelling to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then go to attack the clones, and what just jumped out at me is a. Uh, Anakin and Padme's wedding, uh, you know, another moment of connection. But we know for Anakin, it is something that curdled into to something not positive and beautiful. <laughs> yeah. But it starts that way. And you got a little bit of rhythm there of, you know, Anakin and, and the uh, the women who are a part of the legacy of the, the Skywalker family. Uh, then Revenge of the Sith. That was hard because a part of me is like, you got to go with the bad too. And like, do we have yellow eyed mm. raging Anakin? Do we have in this beautiful picture, do we have some <laughs> limbless burning? And I decided no. Uh, <laughs> I decided that I think uh, that it, it, some image of Obi-Wan with Padme at the birth in, you know, since Ooh. Ray's connection is Luke and Leia. 
their their beginning is is needed. God, that's good. Yeah. So then you go to a new hope, right? And uh, there there were a bunch of moments that I, I was tempted by Luke and Leia being together again for the first time, but because it is the blade, I, I had to go with Luke igniting the blade in Obi Wan's hut. You know where that? Ooh, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Comes into the story. Empire Strikes Back is probably one of my favorite images, and maybe the one that would be hardest to recognize. Uh, but I would want it to be the moment of Leia sensing Luke when he calls out to her mm-hmm. in Cloud City. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's just, again, it's, it's the connection. It's, it's the positive power of yeah. connection. Yeah. Uh, Return of the Jedi, I went with uh, Vader unmasked. Uh, so once again, we see connection. We see the possibility of redemption. It's an acknowledgement of the bad stuff with Vader. Uh, so Vader uh, unmasked by Luke there at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, then going to Force Awakens, now it's interesting because now we're getting into Rey's life herself. What is she thinking about? Not just the legacy of the Skywalker twins, but her relationship with that, those blades. Um, so with Force Awakens, I went basic. Uh, Rey holding the blade in the forest, right? The the first time that she held it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the Last Jedi, um, I really think that a thing that she's thinking about is is uh, everything that, that Ben Solo went through. Um I think that's a part of the legacy of those blades. So for Last Jedi, I would want it to be an image of connection. So Ray and Kylo uh, touching fingers in the hut. Ooh, the, that's good. That's good. Yeah, some some good old finger touching. There's a lot of touching in my paint. <laughs> uh, and then the final image, right? Um, I think for me, for the Rise of Skywalker, it is it is Ray holding both sabers, blocking Palpatine's lightning. Because um, I think it's sort of the the culmination of the the journey of of these blades of mm-hmm. they did what they were ultimately meant to do they held back the dark side mm-hmm. and now they can rest and a, a new blade w- will be ready for the next time darkness rises but that moment is like that's the end of, that's the end of that's the sort of a loud fireworks end of their journey and this is the calm peaceful end of their journey as she buries them love that Love, love all of that. Um, I'm yeah, so curious yeah. to see where you went. Well, I, you know, I got to tell you, some of my choices, I forgot Will wanted this art piece and not Ray. Um, <laughs> I really, because then I, I, there's some things where I was like, oh, I'll put Ray up there. And I was like, well, why would Ray put a picture of herself in her own art? I don't, I don't know if that, and then I realized, <laughs> even as I listen to you talk, I'm like, well, it, it, Will wants this. So <laughs> it just raised what I assume would be humbleness about including herself in this story. Uh, would not be in there, but uh, yeah, no, this is, this is fun. And I uh, love uh, as always your thematic reasons behind uh, the choices here. Uh, Phantom Menace. I, 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 I got to d- d- uh, d- deduct a point for myself. Uh, I, I did forgot to include Shmi. Not that I forgot Shmi. Oh. She's one of my favorite characters, but I think that's, that's a great moment. You've, chosen i went to the same kind of spirit the spirit of shmi her lessons and the conversations she had with young anakin i put anakin at dinner you get that one shot of, of mm. kind of the you say the biggest problem in the galaxy is no one helps each other kind of moment you find something from there um and all choice would be him winning the pod race face dirty smiles and cheers but <laughs> there's something about that and i always go to that kind of being the heart of vader it's one of my favorite jake lloyd moments one of my favorite anakin moments there mm. um then Attack of the Clones. Yeah, you and I went to similar spots. I didn't go to the wedding. That's probably the better version. But I did go. There's some uh, beautiful, there's a beautiful freeze frame I'm sure you could find. Anakin and Padme on Tatooine before he rides off to, mm. to save his mother, which is a darker path. But there's kind of a, 
sweeping romantic moment, which you could also capture with the wedding. But I didn't want to include Padme. That was, there was something about it that I think you and I both probably gravitate towards their love blooming in here and how powerful that is uh, to the story going forward. Um, so it's like the, the hug outside the hut, right? Yeah, yeah. There's that one little moment, right? She's got the blue outfit on. He's got the, the shadow, the ponytail there. You know, you see a Vader shadow. You get something from there. Would work for me. Um, and then, you know, Tatooine, the beautiful son of Tatooine. <laughs> Revenge of the Sith, you and I were the same, had the same kind of struggle, right? It is so dark and there's, do you include like a valuable lesson in your painting? And then I was like, well, I don't know if Ray would want that. I don't know, maybe Will would, but I don't know if Ray would. Um, but I, I, I again, I, I didn't watch the film, so I don't know what exact freeze frame you could find. But I was like thinking in that movie, like what's one of the pure Anakin moments that says a lot about him that might connect also with Ray? And it's, and it's Anakin carrying Obi-Wan after, you know, his fate will be the same as ours. Mm. Some moment, there's something about that. I love your choice of Padme, Obi-Wan, the pregnancy at the end. I think that's tremendously important to the story too. But just going to just like, you know, if Ray, if Ray could study every beat of Anakin's life, that might be a moment that uh, works for her too. This is the, the person that, you know, would always check on, on BB-8's well-being, would always be there mm. to help others. So maybe that would be it as well. And again, could you make it pretty in an art piece? I don't know. That's why I don't paint. Uh, a New Hope. Uh, it's very, it would be very hard for me not to include the Twin Sons moment. The famous. Oh, yeah. Very hard not to. Um, but I tried to push beyond that. And I went to Luke and Leia swinging across that Death Star divide there. Nice. Trench. Uh, you know, the famous shot there. Uh, uh, you know, her kind of carry buried into Mark as they do the stunt there. Uh, after the for luck moment there. Uh, just something about that. Them meeting in action. Uh, I think that would be good too. Uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back. You and I went to the exact same moment. <laughs> and Leia knowing they've got to go back and save Luke. Empire is an important movie for Luke Skywalker, but this is one of our favorite Leia moments. I think collectively, clearly it's a powerful moment for in the overall, you know, fabric of the story. It's one of the clear moments of whether George had it planned or not, that she was his sister and four cent doesn't matter. He had this moment. They put this moment, Kirshner and Kazan, everyone put this moment in this movie, which speaks volumes about what they did think about Leia. And her being attached to something bigger and beyond herself and attached to Luke. So that's key. The question I was going to ask you, and now that we've both selected the same moment here, <laughs> Empire, uh, there's some stuff on Hoth with Luke, but Empire, Luke fails often. <laughs> yep. Time, time again. And I couldn't think of even stuff on Dagobah. I was like, that'd be great. But, well, no, the, him, he failed to lift the X-Wing. <laughs> he brought his weapon into the cave. He took down that walker, but he also had been shot out of the sky. Like I couldn't, I couldn't think of what it almost like Revenge of the Sith and Anakin. I couldn't think of a, a lesson moment to put in. Did you struggle with that too? Yeah, I mean, I think in, in, any image of Luke in Empire Strikes Back would be a teaching moment, <laughs> a teachable moment. Like maybe the the great silhouette of him in in front of Vader with you know the, the blade in hand, ready to go. You know, yeah. maybe. Yeah. No, yeah. I think I think that you know Luke. Luke fails in, in in Empire in lots of ways. His heart is in the right. Well, I guess it's not. That's the point. Uh, <laughs> he learns it's more complex than he yeah. than he thought. And again, I want to stress: I understand it's Will Culbertson putting together this art piece. But I was thinking, <laughs> from Ray's point of view, I am sure Lay at some point sat down and talked to her about this moment, talked to her about the good that's inside her, and then not a, a, who she was and what she was. All that faded away. It's just what she felt inside her heart. 
uh, I'm sure that would connect with Ray at some point. So this would be a, a important moment, I think, uh, for all of us there. Uh, Return of the Jedi, uh, Luke throwing down his blade. Uh, I liked what you talked about. You got to get Anakin uh, unmasked, Vader unmasked. All that works. And I was, in terms of an art piece, I, Luke before the funeral pyre, funeral pyre, excuse mm-hmm. me. Yeah. That shot, the flames, um, the shadow of Luke there against the flames. Yeah, you don't actually see Anakin. His spirit might be long gone from there, but it's it's what remains of Vader. It, it, it's the redemption story. It's the true end of that that journey, the beginning of Anakin's next journey. So uh, we all, when you see that moment of Star Wars fan, you know it, you recognize, and you get the meaning. So it might be yep. a great shot to put up there. Uh, moving quickly, sequel trilogy, Force Awakens. Uh, I, I put Luke on the hill right after he pulls the hood down when he does that kind of like, voila, I am Mark Hamill and I'm on the hill. But could you also find a way to get Ray putting the, holding the blade out? I think you're right. I think there's so much of Ray in the, in the sequel trilogy that would need to be reflected in this story. Um, so maybe you could find some sort of, some, some sort of, some sort of shot, but I, I think, I think your, uh, Ray in the forest might win if this was a debate. It's not, uh, no, I don't, I don't know. I think yours might, might win. Cause I think I, one of the things she has to be reflecting on is her own journey with this blade. Right. And one of the mm. things that she probably has to remember is how much she tried to give it away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Could be, could be. And it's just, it's still one of the best it's, shots. Man. Yeah. Mm. Amazing. Uh, Last Jedi, uh, I I went with uh, Luke and Leia on crate. Uh, there's mm. not where they kind of touch heads or their heads are close. The sun behind them, very sweet moment, both for us outside of the Star Wars story with the loss of Carrie, but also in story for what it means for them. I think your hand, I think find a way to get the hand touching moment and Luke and Leia and crate on the same. <laughs> there's a lot of Skywalker stuff going on. As an old, I even thought of Leia reaching out in space. Yeah, I'm talking mm. about Leia Poppins moment. I would want that. That oh, hand, yeah. you can almost hear the music cue. Rise of Skywalker, it would be very hard for me to not include another Twin Sons moment. Ray looking out with BB-8 after the moment depicted on this painting, the center <laughs> of the painting. So therefore, I, that's when I really thought, well, I don't know if Ray would want that. Um, so I went with Ben Solo looking out over the Death Star ruins after the vision of uh, the dream of his father and throwing mm. away the woman. But you could also go, your 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 lightsaber moment such a great thought. And it made me think of that shot. A lot of people uh, highlight and love, and I've seen it in other Star Wars fan art, of uh, Ray and, and Ben side by side and the blades being pulled up. I, uh, I, I was really tempted by that one because it's both the blades. It's a legacy of both the twins. They're in sync. It's great. Yeah, but but your your blade shot with Ray is, is thematically powerful. And that's why um, you and I both, I think, love that sequence and love that moment. It, it's the... For me, you know, validation of, of, of Leia's journey being there alongside Luke's the entire time. And they both have to, they both have to exist and both have to have that journey to get to that moment. It's powerful. So there you go. Well, well, maybe you do uh, uh, different versions, just do <laughs> all versions. Hope we help. Yeah, I think now, now, now uh, Will's got to have like three paintings made. <laughs> Minimum. Yeah. And just give this me the one of, of, from Ray's point of view. What would Ray, <laughs> what would Ray put up there? I don't yeah. know what uh, that is that that's really fun to think about. Like if, yeah, if Ray was aware that this painting was being commissioned, she's like, come on. No, mm-hmm. uh, the idea that there'd be the moment of the twin sons of like, and this is what I'm going to do when I'm done burying these just two seconds from now, I'm going to yeah. Yeah. <laughs> go look yeah. at those twin sons. And then if people saw that, that painting, we can, can Ray travel in time? Yes. Ah. We will find out. That is a, that was a really fun and really different question. Thank you so much. Will. Uh, we got a lot of great questions coming in on Patreon and on Twitter, if you want to ask a question, uh, we on Patreon, just look under posts 
And that is an active one that's still collecting questions. And if you want to leave one on Twitter, uh, our current call for questions is our pinned tweet. So check that out on Twitter. Uh, We also do have some new Power of the Light submissions. This is something we put on our Patreon. We put a call out for people to share some positive memories of Star Wars, a thing you loved, a special moment. So we can just celebrate the fact that, yes, there's lots to always uh, debate and discuss and issues to uh, resolve, important issues, all sorts of important things to discuss in Star Wars. But we also just want to celebrate it and how it brings joy into our life. And we got a bunch of great submissions coming there. This week's is from Douglas Dubois. Douglas says, hi, Four Center. I was thinking back to 2012 the other day when my son turned four and I had considered that long enough to wait to introduce him to the Skywalker saga and subsequently uh, draw myself into the great animated Star Wars available. Around the same time, we had the announcement that we would be getting episode seven. So all of a sudden, my Star Wars excitement wasn't just confined to reading books and having the occasional discussion with a like-minded friend, but this period of excitement around new films and also seeing the older films experienced through the wide-eyed gaze of a four-year-old. We went on a camping trip soon after, and all my son wanted to do was have lightsaber battles (laughs) with his new birthday and Christmas presents. It was such a great feeling having summer evening lightsaber battles on the beach and fanning the flames of Star Wars joy in a young lad as well as this old timer. It has been such a valuable resource since for instilling great values in both of my children. It has been a rallying point for our whole family as we sit down together to watch the latest Disney Plus shows or when we've gone to midnight film screenings around Christmas time. Forever thankful for this generational tale. Thank the maker. Thank you, Douglas. That is a great memory. Uh, any thoughts, Ken? Uh, I absolutely love the the family tale here, and it, and it means a lot. And and uh, even shared on the new show this week. You know, my my ten year old niece now uh, just organically found Star Wars on her own, and and uh, you know dressing up as Vader, and I was able to gift her some books uh, for Halloween for her birthday season too. So and it's like it's fun and it's powerful, and it, and it helps uh, helps you see Star Wars in a new light if you've moved far past far far past your childhood, right? Uh, it helps you connect and help you see things you didn't. Uh, see before or had forgotten about. So I think there's some great value to it. It also speaks to the value of Star Wars being about families and being for families and being a generational tale. Uh, and it does make me think there, there's this conversation, which I understand around Andor about was, is that going to be the first thing you sit down and, and show your kids? And, and, and the answer is most likely no, I, I, I'm not a parent, so I wouldn't know. Uh, and I get that some people are bummed out about that, but it's all here. It's all a journey. You're not immediately going to show a four-year-old Revenge of the Sith. Uh, you're not immediately going to show them Rogue One and those things exist and we have uh, no problem with them existing in Star Wars. It just does speak to the idea that Star Wars is an ongoing journey and that you may start them with a new hope or forces of destiny or galaxy adventures or something on the Star Wars kids channel. You might start them there, but eventually uh, they, uh, and hopefully with you there, will reach something like Andor. We'll reach the value of that story. We'll see some of the darker stuff in Revenge of the Sith. Maybe in Rise of Skywalker, which starts with a little horror film that might scare them. <laughs> uh, they'll get there because Star Wars is not about just what is now. It is what is uh, coming down the path. And, and if you can get your kid on that path or organically, don't force anyone on it. <laughs> if they can organically get there, you can share it with them. You can share all of it with them eventually. Yeah, no, this is such a great time, I, I would think. I'm not a parent uh, uh, myself, but such a, a great time, you know, to see where a kid might discover, connect to Star Wars and then learn that there's so much more, right? It, it's, it's just so great for me to, mm-hmm. to think about, 
you know, somebody maybe seeing the sequel trilogy first and being like, did you know that uh, Luke and Han and Leia had adventures when they were young? Like, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all there for you. Or even going deeper of like, oh, did you like Ahsoka? Did you know that we can see her whole journey? Like, oh, wow. It, it makes it really truly feel like modern myth that there's always more mm-hmm. to be you know, explored. I love what you're saying about Andor. Yep. There's, there's lots of different entry points and maybe Andor is an entry point for, for a different age. Um, This great entry uh, from Douglas is making me think about a lot of my interactions that I've had with younger people in my life. Again, not a parent, but I remember, I can't remember how old my nephew was. Uh, He's an adult man now, my nephew. Uh, But uh, when he was younger, he, he got into Star Wars and I, you know, would give him Star Wars gifts. And that was a great joy. I bought I bought him a toy lightsaber that like the day after he was born. And because mm. I wanted him to I wanted my brother to give it to him when he was old enough. Like, I, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, and at some point, I remember him saying, Dad won't let me watch Revenge of the Sith yet, but I know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a real struggle. It was a real yeah. struggle for like, when, when is the right time for that? You know? Yeah. Uh, and, and I know uh, that's a, such a magical thing about Star Wars is that, you know, it, it's a safe place to deal with, you know, what happens when people make bad choices, you know, uh, what happens, you know, let's talk through the scarier side. I remember, I remember some, a neighbor person that I don't remember who was warning my mom about the Wampa attack in Empire Strikes Back and only figuring out afterwards what she was talking about. Terrified me. Terrified. Yeah. It's a, it's a jump scare. <laughs> it's a Halloween movie jump scare. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the main, the main thing that I love uh, out of this uh, wonderful uh, Power of the Light Side submission is we, uh, oh, I'll speak for myself, I can definitely get caught up in all of the the drama behind the scenes of what is being created and why and which creators are getting opportunities and who likes what and who said a mean thing about a part of Star Wars I like. Yeah. Get caught up in all that to just be able to be around younger people and be reset to that perspective of hmm. this is an amazing world. Lightsabers are amazing. And I just want to be a part of that world. That just entry level excitement hmm. is just always such a great thing to reconnect to. It truly is. Truly is. Yeah. So thank you very much, Douglas Ken. That is it. Where can people find us? Yeah. Hey, you can find us on Twitter for now. And we're sticking around for now uh, on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're also on Instagram and YouTube as well. Hey, do us a favor. Subscribe over on YouTube. YouTube, we do a live monthly show. And we truly are uh, going to be looking to do more things on there and expand in the brand there. For uh, Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Podcast is available. And a lot of different spots, including iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, or more. Just search. You'll find us merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. Patreon.com slash force center is where you can support us directly. From there, you can get into our Discord and have a conversation with force center friends every day about Star Wars. Hey, you can follow me at Cadnapsock or go to my website, cadnapsock.com. In the spirit of just being, hey, here's other things I do. Sometimes I gloss over it. Joseph and I have been, uh, we've been talking about letting the world know a little bit more what we do you might just follow me for star wars stuff that's totally fine if you like music i have a radio show called pop rock and radio on mixcloud uh, you can find playlists live radio shows everything over there it is another format mixcloud is another thing you got to get i understand 
But uh, I love music. It's been one of the hurdles to get people to listen. Uh, But check it out on Mixcloud.com. Just search for Pop Rock and Radio. I also, for years, have been using ASMR to relax. That weird little thing on the internet that people sometimes make fun of. But it helps me lower stress. And I have my own channel now, Sports Card ASMR. Little baseball card ASMR that's both relaxing, (laughs) informative, and hopefully funny at times. Check it out on YouTube. Joseph, where can they find you and all the things you're putting out there? Oh, this is great. I, I think it is really great that uh, that we share the totality of uh, of what we're doing uh, creatively. Uh, <laughs> for me, it's a part of the Star Wars story. Star Wars inspires me to create. So it's a, a part of the Star Wars journey for me. I think people have, uh, Star Wars listeners, Force Center listeners, have this great opportunity to go to YouTube, uh, and watch uh, the short film that I made recently called Peace Fight that has uh, some scary parts. Uh, I'm in it. Ken is in it. Mark Ellis is in it. You get riled up uh, by my short film, and then to calm yourself down, you go right to Ken's new ASMR channel and calm yourself down. Uh, We will bring you up. We will bring you down. Everything you need on YouTube in just a few minutes' time. Absolutely love that. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, For everything else, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, all at Joseph Scrimshaw. Uh, Thank you to everybody who has uh, watched uh, the short films and the comedy bits and the more stuff I've been doing on the YouTube uh, channel and subscribing. Uh, Thank you for doing that and and your continued support of everything we do. Uh, For now, for myself and for Ken, that has been Cues of the Force, and we want you to remember the great wisdom of Yoda around the survivors a perimeter create. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.